and 90s nostalgia i'm talking with chris Hag, who i can see and you can't and he's joining us from are you where are you at mexico city now no i'm in oaxaca ah oaxaca where the cheese is made is that that right isn't that mexican cheese called oaxaca cheese you might be thinking of maybe you are thinking of oaxaca i don't know but i know that the mezcal is made here oh and and the chocolate um and the craft beer oh there's craft beer made in in there are you just saying that for the Um, show (laughs) (laughs) i'll accept either answer (laughs) is it bad so in my video right now i can see the light is so bright Um, on my forehead it looks like i may be bald (laughs) that's yeah that's fine that's all right (laughs) um so I thought I would do a, something special that I haven't done on an episode yet since you're down in Mexico and I'm a okay. Spanish genius on my second week of Duolingo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a, a glass of tequila here uh, that is in a glass that can never be cleaned because there's a tiny glass cactus in the bottom of it. And unless you have a dishwasher, that's never getting cleaned down there. Oh, awesome. Well, what are you going to do? Well, that's spectacular because I have a, um, a, a an aluminum uh, hiking mug. I was going to say, what am I looking at? Is that a nuclear filled, thermos? Filled with mezcal. <laughs> oh. Um, and I actually, I just spent the last um, hour, like since, since you sent me an email, uh, trying <laughs> to find a craft beer in this town. No. Um, no such And luck. I think... I think that I walked in the wrong direction. I have to ask, Uh, are you under a table right now? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, just checking. Just checking. (laughs) Gotta take cover. (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure I'm laying, I'm on the roof of the hotel that I'm staying in. And um, I, this is where they apparently do the laundry and I'm, I'm laying on the ground with my back against a pile of, I'm going to assume, clean laundry. Yes, let's go with assuming clean laundry. Well, before we even get the yeah. show started, I'm going to drink this and, and join you and say uh, cheers, or how do they say cheers in Spanish? I don't know. I haven't Salud. gotten that far. <laughs> salud. Oh, so it's like most other languages. Okay, well, yeah. Salud. <laughs> salud. That's right. That is Costco brand tequila, and you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, they sell them in very big jugs, and everyone said, "Oh, their liquor is actually really good." Well, don't don't trust that because you get a really big jug that you'll have for a real long time. Oof. And on that note, uh, it is episode sixty-seven. We're talking with Chris. He's in Mexico on a crazy journey. We're going to get into in a minute, but first we'll take a little break, a little song, and get into the beer. And now is the time for the fake break. Um, yeah, I so I decided. Well, I'll get into it, but I'm gonna. Yeah, never mind. I decided I'm not going to talk to you unless we're recording. So I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't know. 
makes perfect sense. You're right. doing that with your teeth? No, I was going to as a joke, but not actually do it because I can't do that because I have real teeth and they <laughs> it would break. Oh, do I still have your audio? Okay, as long as I can still hear you, because <laughs> you cut out for a second. Uh, all right. Um, can you hear me? I lost the volume on you. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? <laughs> See if we can how about now? Drinking a mm-hmm. Coronado Brewing Company out of Coronado, California, California, which is close to Mexico but not quite. Uh, this is <laughs> Blue Bridge Coffee Stout. Uh, you know what? I might need to swig a little water before I drink a coffee stout after that shot of tequila I just did. <laughs> not a great combination. And Chris, you're drinking tequila your... and coffee stout. Yeah. Not, not I think the best. that's a good combination. Well, so, so <laughs> I've got a, um, uh, I've got a mezcal actually right now. I tried, I tried to find a craft beer, but it's not super prevalent in Mexico, and uh, I failed this evening trying to find a craft beer. But I did get a mezcal, and um, it's it's a pechuga, which might. My understanding is that it has something to do with it, with a turkey breast. Well, um, I don't know but, what any of that means. <laughs> Can you explain to everybody what a mezcal is in, in comparison to a tequila? Um, mezcal is a it's it's basically the same as tequila, except that it's not made from blue agave. Um, what is it made? That's from? my. That's my very limited understanding. Tequila is made, well, and tequila is made in tequila, and it is made from blue agave, whereas mezcal can be made anywhere in Mexico and is not necessarily made from blue agave. So it's like a a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Got it. Um, Tequila (laughs) is a mezcal, but mezcal is not necessarily tequila. Well, judging by the uh, color and aroma of this coffee stout, I can tell you uh, this is a coffee stout. So, just in comparison. Whereas, I'm jealous. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's how. What's the temperature like in Mexico today? Um, it's cooling off now, but it was probably close to ninety. Yeah. See, I don't today. think I want a coffee stout when it's ninety degrees outside. No, probably not. But I would, uh, yeah, a nice, uh, nice Mexican beer with the lime wouldn't be terrible. But I didn't do that, folks, because that's not what we do here. 
um well if it's any consolation this coffee stout is uh it's good it's kind of basic though it's 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 tastes more uh, as far as heaviness it's more like a porter which isn't necessarily a bad thing but um and and that's by who coronado brewing company out of coronado california okay now it's actually i just thought about this but it's funny that you're on this portion of the podcast uh, for two reasons. One, because you're not with me drinking beer. <laughs> but two, uh, I might not ha- I might not have a flavor for craft beer whatsoever if it wasn't for Chris Haig. Because <laughs> you were the first person to show up at an age I won't disclose with, uh, you know, Sierra Nevada and and other random beers, Anchor Steam. Uh, at a time when oh. I was like, I don't know anything other than Coors Light and Bud Light. Teach me your ways. And I, I won't disclose how I was procuring said <laughs> uh, said beers while while working at a while working at a bar <laughs> that stocked most of them. <laughs> so yeah, coming coming from that environment, I mean, over the last. 20 years you know the, the, over the last however many years we could legally drink um how's that been for you as someone that kind of got into craft beer earlier and like had different flavors for something other than bud light because i know for me it started as a i don't want to be like everyone else probably situation and then ended up being like oh i actually really enjoy drinking this shit so the way that it actually started for me was uh, my, my stepfather at the time was from England and him and my mother had a, uh, uh, they had a small business where they imported antiques from England and they would bring these massive, um, well, like, like a 40 foot sea container, think like a, you know, a container on the back of a semi truck. Yeah, yeah. They would ship these things, um, across the pond, uh, full of, um, you know, uh, pillaged historical items from England and sell that stuff in the States. And then the other thing, um, because that was like the earlier mid nineties then, and there was almost no craft beer scene in the States at that point. And there was, um, pretty much no craft beer scene in Michigan at the time. And my, uh, my, my stepfather being from England, he would always bring back Guinness and Boddington's nice um on on those containers so there would always be like a corner of our garage with like 30 cases of guinness <laughs> that, that he would bring back because you couldn't buy the stuff yeah and that was like States. authentic guinness not not like the yeah not and, like and so actually it, it's funny because i guess it was normal like before american craft beer I think a lot of people were more into the European beers um, because that's the only way you could get something that wasn't a Budweiser. And so it was normal for me to see imported beers um, around the house and everything like that. And then, um, and then I guess at, at some point when I was 15 or so, I started working at a restaurant that, um, that had, 32 craft beers on tap 
um, which was unheard of <laughs> way, way ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was 1998. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and that's, I'm a, freshman in high school or something at that point and um and all, all of a sudden you know i'm surrounded by all these all these different flavors that uh that i'd never heard of or thought of or anything like that and um you know one one thing leads to another and you're 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 bribing the the bartender or the uh <laughs> or the or the or the server to uh you know throw a throw a case of beer in the trunk of your car at Oh, we might have lost him. The end of the night. Oh, there you are. Lost you for a second. Yeah, that's uh, and and thus hipsters were born. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's funny. It's because we talked about it many times on this show before. Um, as far as craft beer goes, like your basic recipes, your your IPAs, which are still no matter how much they go out of style, something happens to them and they make like now it's milkshake IPAs and everybody has those. Um we've gone into the history of those and you know, they've been around in England for hundreds of years and some of the other beers, uh, session ale, which, you know, like some of the more popular ones in Michigan or founders all day IPA, those have been around for years in England and they were, they were created in the eighties, uh, as a beer to drink on your break at work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so some of these beers like that we've uh, embraced as the craft beer scene have been around uh, in, in Europe and especially England and for years and years and years, sometimes hundreds of years. And so it's, it's, it's nice that you had that in, in a, uh, I don't know. What is, what am I trying to say? It's nice that you had that inlet into that with your stepdad. That's kind of cool. Do you still find yourself like gravitating towards good beers or, or do you, have you moved on to something else when you're drinking or just whatever's available? Um, well, so I guess I'm, I would say that as far as like the whole craft beer thing, I'm stuck in like the late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> um, so my, uh, uh, my, my beer tastes have are maybe like five years ahead of my music tastes. Um, <laughs> perfect candidate for the but, show folks, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, so the, the thing for me, I guess with, with beer is like, you know, I just, I'd say like, I just like a classically good Porter stout. Like, like for me, the best stouts are like a, uh, like a Bell's expedition. Yeah. That's a great, stout. um, and, um, or, or from an IPA standpoint, you know, uh, a, a two hearted, um, also Sierra Nevada is great too. Yeah. And I guess as the, um, I got out of the restaurant industry in like the, I don't know, 2008 ish or something like that. And so at that point I like, I kind of fell off the, the bandwagon as far as like constantly trying to, um, or seeking out new beers, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of at that point, I'm like that cadre old man, you know, I'm like, you know, I know what I like and I just want that. <laughs> yeah. But there's, there, I mean, there's something to be said about classic recipes like Newcastle and anchor steam. Um, anchor steam brewing has been doing great beers forever. And I, I used to be obsessed with them mm -hmm. before I found uh, magic hat. Number nine was, I think my first real introduction to something that was completely fucking different. And then uh, huh. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, 
I, I remember you first bringing that to my apartment when I was at a teenage age. <laughs> but hey, I had an apartment, mm-hmm. so I was technically an adult. Fuck you guys. Um, but yeah, no, it was like, though, there's something to be said about those beers still, because those, I think, opened up everybody's idea to something you could do more. And I just wanted to bring that up because you were definitely instrumental in introducing me to some of those things. And, and that has definitely snowballed into the... Uh, obsessiveness that i have today so thanks a lot (laughs) i mean on on some level we could say that i created this podcast yeah well you're the monster behind it (laughs) so congratulations next episode we ruin the world (laughs) it's all your fault all right we're gonna take a quick break and then more with chris and where he's at and what he's doing and where he pees that'll make more sense (laughs) i'm a little too talking with my buddy chris here chris is in mexico i'm gonna let him explain why he's in mexico in a minute um but just so you listeners know there's not a specific subject this podcast because there's a lot of different intricacies of being uh, in our age group where 90s kind of trails in from the music you're listening to uh to the books that came out in the 90s that may have even subconsciously inspired this adventure you're on but Chris, I'll let you tell everybody kind of what you're doing because it's it's interesting to say the least. <laughs> um, well, so for the last eight months, uh, eight months and six days to be exact, we started on July second. Uh, my wife, Soph, and I uh, have been riding bicycles from Alaska. Uh, we started in Homer. And uh, the the end game is that we uh, we get to Argentina. Um, so at this point, we're about ten thousand kilometers in, which is about sixty two hundred or so miles, um, and we've probably got another ten thousand miles to go. You've got another how many miles to go? Probably ten thousand. So Depends you're on. Not- Oh, so you're not even at the halfway point. How long do you plan on it taking? Uh, The whole trip, (laughs) uh, that's a funny question, because originally we planned on it being (laughs) two years. And now Um, it's looking like... (laughs) Well, 
the thing is that at some point we realized that if it took exactly two years, that would put us getting to like the bottom of Argentina, which is like the equivalent of the top of Alaska, um, in the middle of their winter. Oh yeah. Cause um, the fucking hemispheres let geology right. lesson folks, <laughs> the hemispheres are yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I don't know. It, it seems like either 18 months or 30 months would be a little bit better than 24, but has it been a we'll lot see. easier to I like another pair of gloves? Has it been a lot easier to stretch out your time once you get to places and you're like, "Oh, we could totally stay here for like a few days longer than we planned." Yeah. We yeah, since um actually since getting out of the states, we've started moving much much slower um it didn't uh, really siesta, occur to me before going <laughs> yeah well the, so when we started especially in like through alaska and canada there's just nothing there yeah so you don't really have anything to do but ride and there's only one road I, we um I, I remember talking to, to a professional racer in Tucson, Arizona, and she was telling me about this race that she would that she had done a few weeks before, and she was like, "And at turn number ten, this happened," and um, and I was thinking, turn number ten for me that was in Vancouver, because um, like literally in two months we'd been on ten different roads. Wow, that's how little like. Uh, that's how little choice there was basically um, riding through those areas. And they're just big and they're empty. And then kind of the same thing through the West and Southwest as well. And, um, and now all of a sudden we're in Mexico and there's a town every 30 miles. Um, and uh, it's so, it's so much easier to just, you know, stop and get a, you know, get a cheap hotel or something, you know, something to snack on. And we move probably half as fast right now. Now, 30 miles in a car is obviously like no big deal, but 30 miles on a bike is, is insane. Um, <laughs> as someone mm-hmm. that walks three miles on a treadmill, <laughs> 30 miles on a bike is crazy. But so are there towns that well, you guys are like, are there towns, especially once you've gotten to Mexico and everything, um, or even like some maybe sparse ones in Canada where you're just like, maybe we keep going and find another one. <laughs> um, or are you just so tired that you're like, yeah, no, we're just going to stop both. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's definitely been some times where we've, we've rolled into a town and I, I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but where, you know, it's like you're tired, you want to stop and you look around and it's like, it's just a bunch of like, like rat infested motels. And, um, and you just, you just, we have to keep going or, um, or other times where you like, you're just dead tired and you don't like, you don't care where you're putting your tent for the night or what hotel you're staying in. I think the worst town we stayed in was needles, California. Um, and I don't even want to get into well, describing it's called it. needles. It just, so I have an imagination. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other times too, where you just like, we've, we've put our tent next to a, um, next to an outhouse in Oregon one night because there was just nowhere else that we just couldn't find anywhere else. We were dead tired. 
Um, and here's this patch of grass sitting next to an outhouse. And then in the middle of the night, like the wind shifted and all of a sudden the, the sewage smell from the outhouse was like blowing right into our tent. Oh, um, God. And then, and then we like dragged it across the street to the side of the road. <laughs> That's crazy. So at this point, how quickly can you set up a tent? <laughs> um, I think we like all of our, our camp set up like, tent and sleeping pad and everything like that maybe 20 25 minutes nice nice yeah i'm going to a music festival at the end of may so if you could come back up here and help me set up stuff that would be super <laughs> helpful i'd appreciate that i was in boy scouts but fuck that i want you to help me um so one of the things i mean we've been going back and forth uh discussing like what 90s topic could relate to this and and there really is, is a bunch of stuff because Hey, you're listening to music. How much, I mean, percentage wise, how much time are you listening to music while you're riding your bike? Mm, I would say 15 to 25%. Right now I'm doing podcasts, but, um, Hey, you're, but yeah, thank you. you're welcome. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I probably 25% of the time. I'd say I'm listening to music. So you got 1500 miles of music under your belt. What's, uh, yeah. What, what's some of the stuff you're listening to? Cause that's some of the stuff we we're talking about just to let everybody know. Um, as far as nineties goes, there's the music he's listening to and you brought up Moby today, which we'll get into cause that's hilarious. And <laughs> so I think, I think we have different opinions on Moby. Um, and, and there's, I think another generalized opinion of Moby once oh, we'll get into it in a second, but, um, and then there's a couple of books that came out in the nineties um, that both of them were made into movies eventually, but into the wild about Chris McCandless, uh, which he, you, which he probably traveled a lot of the road that you guys actually traveled already. And then um, uh, the beach, which was made in that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And you said that movie came out in 2000, right? Yeah. yeah that but the right. book was written in 1996. Yeah. Which is the same year. I believe that, uh, uh, into the wild came out which was written about oh, chris mccandless so are you familiar with that story oh dude every time um <laughs> every time a book or a movie comes out about somebody who starves in a school bus or <laughs> chops their arm off i get a call from like 10 friends and they're all like you gotta see this it so reminds me of you that's really funny <laughs> So you're familiar with the story. Well, cause there's a, there's an intertwining connection here. Cause you're doing a, a half, half, like I'll say half, like, cause you're not giving up everything and dying in a bus. Um, but, uh, Chris McCandless thing. And the last movie I worked on before I moved back from Los Angeles was into the wild. So we'll right. tie it all together there. But so, but your trip from, uh, Alaska South. I mean, I imagine all the way to Oregon, you, you probably passed a lot of the same spots that, that Chris McCandless would have traveled or going the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't remember how he got up there. Um, yeah. but there's really only two roads, uh, to Alaska. Uh, there's the Cassiar highway and the, uh, Alaskan Canada highway. Um, so probably, um and i know that i was so i was in um denali national park which isn't far from the location of that school bus 
Yeah, and I mean, spoiler alert on the ending, which uh, <laughs> I feel I feel bad because is it with books like with movies you can say that and just give away the ending because if it's been a certain amount of time like you're never going to see the movie but if it's based on a book even if it's a real story like this it's like yeah but you still might read the book at one point because books i mean as far as i i'm concerned books take for fucking ever that's why i got audible (laughs) folks Uh, but but uh yeah so in the end he he ends up eating the wrong kind of and this is all based on a true story but he ends up eating the wrong kind of plant and uh dies uh, essentially of starvation and poisoning in a school in an abandoned school bus in the middle of fucking nowhere and then it turns out he is like what a mile away from like a highway yeah yeah it's just a, it's but a mile crazy. away from a highway doesn't necessarily mean that much in alaska so i'm sure you have um, a much better opinion on that statement than i do but um that that being said actually just, a funny clarification on that story though is that the it was i think it was a seed of a plant that he ate and the he had a field guide that said that it was edible but that field guide was um older and it was actually found that this seed was only edible during a certain time of year interesting um yes and and basically and it basically like um it it destroyed his like digestive system he just he couldn't eat yeah i mean like um, spoiler alert i didn't read the book i only saw the movie (laughs) but uh uh, the yeah in the movie i think they portrayed it like there was two plants that looked almost identical and he he ate the wrong one um right but that's that's a much easier thing to go down for for a movie if you're doing it from like a first person point of view and you can't explain anything it's going to be much easier to do that than to explain okay yeah, so there's get this the cliff plan. notes yeah once well exactly that's a 90s thing isn't it <laughs> the cliff notes oh my god yeah you know what as someone that didn't go to college in the 90s yeah what the fuck <laughs> Yeah, the internet is filled with misinformation, so I would have trusted Cliff Notes way more than anything else. Uh, so you also mentioned the beach. Did you read the beach? I did. I actually just read it like at the start of this trip. Nice. So tell me about the beach because I only know the movie version and it's been at least, oh God, I don't know, 15, 16 years since I've seen it. So the... it's been a long time since i've seen the movie as well the book is very dark um and that's like like i remember watching the movie and and getting this complete um like wanderlust and and like you know seeing that and be like oh wow you know i want to go to want to go to thailand or i want to go to all these exotic places um and and kind of leaving the movie with that feeling and then reading the book um i remember the like reading the last chapter of it um and i guess i won't i won't do the spoiler on it but um (laughs) you read the last chapter in the book especially if you've seen the movie first yeah and you're like oh my god like that's horrible um, so is it way different kinda, than the movie? Um, most of the book and the movie are the same, but they completely changed the ending. Okay, for the well, movie. shit. Now I got to read the book um, slash listen to right, it on Audible. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and it, it 
it's uh i guess you know i just say that it's uh it's dark and it's uh it's it's gory <laughs> um and and you would never expect it like after you know after watching the movie well that's just freaking disgusting no not really right. but uh i mean maybe i don't i don't know <laughs> now i need i actually want to those two books now i have audible credits so quick story that means nothing to anybody but i'll say it anyway i uh usually travel for work and when i say travel it means i land somewhere and then i drive two to three hours a day for four days and then i fly back home uh so I do the same thing now, but I don't drive. So now I have all these audiobooks that I have not listened to because I'm never in the car anymore. <laughs> but I just, uh, I think I'm going to have to add both of those to that list. Did I lose you? Oh no, I'm here. Sorry. That's okay. Um, you're obviously enthralled in Mexican laundry and mezcal. <laughs> And no, in this mariachi band uh, across the street, still. Yeah, so, so uh, I, because this isn't going to be in the episode, but when I first called Chris, I could not hear Chris. All I could hear was some fucking mariachi music going on. And then it slowly dimmed down as he walked further and further away from it. Uh, and he well, said, and- he warned me, he said, that might be the case uh, <laughs> wherever I go. They've been they've been playing since six o'clock this morning, that is and insane. and the funny thing too, it's like they they're kind of like a marching band, and I think that it's a church band. Um, I haven't really figured it all out yet, but basically anywhere you go, there's a mariachi band and a shot of mezcal in this town at least. Well, that is the perfect place for a guy with a podcast who might be an alcoholic. Um, so. <laughs> Moving on from, from books, because, you know, everyone likes books but me. Um, like we mentioned music, and you mentioned listening to Moby earlier. I only laugh because, okay, so <laughs> there's a there's a stigma with Moby that has happened since the 90s. And that is, I feel like he's been portrayed in numerous things. The one that comes to mind right now is How I Met Your Mother, uh, where he's portrayed as he's not actually Moby, but some guy that looks like Moby and that's like the character. And it's funny. Cause they're like, Oh, it's just, it's plausible that Moby is at some dumpy fucking party in New York city because he's fucking Moby. Um, and like, I like a lot of Moby songs, but I'm not going to stick up and defend him. And I think that just comes with the territory. <laughs> And you're talking about the play album earlier, and that's I think that was the big one. So, what are as as well with Moby? What else are you listening to? Uh, and what what do you want to share with from the from your playlist that you've been listening to that has come out well, of the '90s? Well, I haven't been listening to that much Moby, and I wish I could remember how that like like popped into my uh, my my feed the other day. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I guess I would like to clarify that, um, that, that Moby's not in my, it's not in my normal rotation. Hey, you don't have to lie to everybody. Um, You're a big Moby fan. That's fine. (laughs) No, but you know what? I will, I will make a defense for Moby. Okay. Um, I, I have respect for Moby because once I watched an interview with him and, uh, he was talking about people wanting to license his music. 
Um, and apparently, I, I'm not a I'm not a Moby like fan or historian or anything, but apparently he he kind of came from the punk rock scene before electronic music. Oh, now I wish um, I was a Moby historian. <laughs> right, and um, and he he said that for him this was a. Um, it was kind of a, a, a philosophical crisis for him because coming from this this punk rock world, he was very anti corporate, um, and and he didn't want to let. I think it was an automotive company that wanted to license his song for something, and then he decided, well, if I don't let them use my song, they're just going to find something similar, or knock it off, you know, just enough to avoid copyright infringement. Um, so I'll, I'll sell them my song. I'll let them use it, but I'm going to take that money and I'm going to donate it to an environmental cause. Um, and, uh, and that way, that way I still get to feel like I'm, I'm raging against the machine. So um, I just want to read this little intro to Moby because you said that and I was intrigued and I had no idea, but it's one paragraph. I just, after learning how to play guitar at the age of nine, Moby played in underground punk rock bands in the early 1980s and gained attention in the nineties with his early electronic dance music. So now I feel like an mm-hmm. asshole. Uh-huh. I feel like if I dive in deeper, I'm going to find out that Richard Melville Hall, AKA Moby <laughs> come on (laughs) um i feel like i'm gonna find out that he was uh apparently in a bunch of punk bands but he doesn't have like any sort of discography or anything before that and Mm -hmm. i'm oh now i want to know what he was in crazy stuff so what else you got on that playlist other than uh uh so one one i know that you will uh completely appreciate and this is uh, i've been i've been playing this thing cover to cover since 1994 tom petty wildflowers oh, um, god such one a of, fucking one of my, good album one of my all-time favorite travel albums yes it's one of my all-time um, favorite albums and i have a lot to say about that so please continue yeah yeah um and uh and i, I for me i think because the last few years i've i've moved around a little bit um i've kind of had like a a few different um, transition points in life and and in the song on that album that I always listen to when when I'm about to make some sort of shift in life is uh, time to move on um, time to get going what lies ahead we have no way of knowing no doubt <laughs> um, so so yeah I, I listen to that one like probably every couple of weeks or something i feel like lately um so and i just i just want to i just want to comment real quick because this album and tom petty in general um i mean i i we could probably do a whole fucking episode on tom petty which is fucked up because we exclusively do episodes on the 90s <laughs> But you could still do a whole episode on Tom Petty because what you people, could do a whole podcast on Tom Petty. Yeah, but what people don't realize about Tom Petty's career, I, I feel like, uh, and I'm I'm one of those because I'll look up songs occasionally and be like, "What? When did this come out? Like uh, 79, 82? And it'll be like, "Oh, ninety three." Because a lot of classic rock bands kind of uh, changed their sound as time went on. And some of them went in a real bad, like electronic direction in the eighties. And there's plenty of examples of that, but Tom Petty 
always sound like Tom Petty, whether he released the album in the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s, and even like some of his early 2000 shit, like he always sounded like Tom Petty. And Wildflowers came out only a couple of years after, um, uh, what the hell was it called with Into the Great Wide Open? Um, like he had, he had a number of 90 songs that people are like, those are 90 songs. And like, yeah, in theory, <laughs> they are like, they came mm-hmm. out in the nineties. Um, but wildflowers, especially as a singer songwriter, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Chris, cause you do the same thing to a degree is this is a, this was a very personal album. It was also stripped down and had a lot of like, uh, right down, right down to the blues, um, feel to it. And you could, it was all acoustic guitar and, and even the stuff that was, uh, electric was electric, like in a blues way. It wasn't electric in a like old school rock and roll rock sort of distorted way. way. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah. the, mo- the most distortion you'll get out of it is the, uh, <laughs> like that's, that's it. But, um, that album is fantastic. almost sounded like you had a guitar in your hand to play that. <laughs> but you, the thing that drives me nuts about that, so Tom Petty died recently, which is which sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> it's, he was one of the people that I was like, oh, well, that just fucking sucks. Especially since two months before that, he was in Michigan, and me and Erica had like a very long conversation about how much we can spend on concert tickets, and then we didn't go. And so I've never, I never saw him. Oh. And uh, so that's a super bummer. But the rumors had been circulating and then confirmed by Tom Petty that Wildflowers was supposed to be a two-part album. So there is an entire disc huh. somewhere, which oh I, wow, yeah, there's an entire disc because it was a uh, um, who recorded that for him? Uh, same guy that worked with John Mayer and like nine thousand other people. Um, T Bone? No, what's his name? Is it T Bone? No, what's his name? You know, I have no about. idea. Uh, I don't I know the producer. Um, this is going to um, drive me crazy. I'm going to have to edit this because I have to look it up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> is it T-Bone Burnett? No. I thought it was T-Bone. Producer was Rick Rubin. On that album? Yeah, on Wildflowers. T-Bone Burnett. Did he not do anything with that album? I don't know who T-Bone Burnett is. Why do, I'm why just do looking. I? Just the first thing that pops up from Wikipedia on Google is producer was Rick Rubin, Tom Petty, and Mike Campbell. Maybe Rick Mike Rubin Campbell's a guitarist, there. right? From uh, yeah, yeah, from Heartbreakers. But yeah, then maybe it was Rick Rubin. Um, but someone was yeah, it had to have been Rick Rubin. I'm not even going to edit this. Fuck it. So Rick Rubin was, uh, was working with him on that album. And there was an entire, like, it was going to be a two part album. And then they just saved the second part. And then for the last, I mean, almost 30 years at this point, uh, 25 years he's been, or it's, it's been like a, I'm not going to release it, but the last, I think 2015, 2016 articles started coming out. They were like wildflowers part two. Like there's rumors it's going to come out. And then Tom Petty's like, look, we did record it, but I don't know if I want to release it. And then he was like, I think I do want to release it. And then, and then he died. (laughs) So 
And wow. when they came out with that like 72 track uh, post-mortem album with a bunch of like B-sides and shit, and I was like, oh my God, it's going to be the Wildflowers thing. And then it wasn't. So that was a huge disappointment. But rest assured, huh. confirmed by Tom Petty, there is a second half of Wildflowers somewhere recorded that one day hopefully in my lifetime we will get to hear because that really is like the fucking best album um it is one of my favorite albums from the 90s if you take uh the countless 35 minute punk rock albums out of the equation it's one of like 10 that i can listen to from front to back and know everything to uh yeah the guitar part words everything so yeah it's it i i tell people and i i don't i don't know um i don't know if it's just a thing with with me or you know certain people that are um uh attracted to that kind of uh music or art but like like to me that is just it's everything that a popular music album should be and i use that term really really loosely popular music but as far as the the musical arrangements on it the lyrics on it like uh the way like how personal the album is for him but then at at the same time how relatable it is to the listener like that's just to me, that's just like everything that a good album should be. Um, yeah, I, and, I cannot agree more. And, and you can listen to his other albums in the '90s. And the weird thing about it is that, like, he kept that style a little bit on some other albums. But there's just something about that one that any other album of his, they all they're like it feels close, but it's not Wildflowers. And and I don't know what it is, but to me that album is it's just kind of this certain degree of perfection um, that I you know maybe somebody only only gets to have once in their life. And and for for me, as far as Tom Petty goes, that's like that's it right there. And and in a lot of ways, as far as music goes, it's just um, it's just a great album. Yeah, I could not agree more. Um... If anybody is listening to this, I mean, like, I like Tom Petty, but I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, you Don't Know How It Feels is the is the big single off there. Uh, and then Wildflowers. Um, God, there's, I mean, to me, that's funny because albums like that, and I'm sure you're the same way with that specific album. It's like, people go, what are the singles? And you're like, oh, fuck, I don't know, all of them. But in, in retrospect, right. it's, it's not actually all of them, but you know all of them so well. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and 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 for me, the you know the the tracks that weren't released on the radio are better than the ones that were. Oh yeah. Um, um, that's and, yeah, and you. A lot of people know that I do cover sets and stuff, and I always do like you wreck me and and uh, what is go oh, down by the cabin down by the road? I can't. No. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but stuff uh, that now that i think about it yeah nobody knows that's why nobody requests right. it they're like what's this fucking <laughs> song <laughs> but yeah. that yeah that album it's uh it's so different and i know i started this whole segment talking about how tom petty is has like been true to his sound no matter the decade but this album was such like a personal introspective and it's the first album where he called himself tom petty and wasn't tom petty and the heartbreakers so i mean i guess that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah that's, yeah 
So Moby Tom Petty, I mean, I'm going to, unless you have another band you want to throw in there, I'm going to take a small break before we wrap it up here. Um, ooh, man, there's so many I could throw in there. Um, Mad Season. Mad Season the band? Yeah. All right, fill me in because now I feel like a piece of shit because I don't know. Oh, dude, Mad Mad Season is. I know a name. I know a song named Mad Season. No, Mad Season is the grunge supergroup. So it's Lane Staley from Alice in Chains on vocals. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) and then you've got oh I can't remember all the individuals, but guys from Pearl Jam and Screaming Trees. Um for the band and they did one album um uh it was i think it was i think it was one of the tracks november hotel um and um it's if you're an alice in chains fan uh i would say it's it's just it's chilling um and actually sorry the 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 album is called above um it's and, funny because uh, I'm I'm not an Alice in Chains fan, <laughs> but uh, no, I like this because I I don't know. I guess I don't know about this group, but that's specifically this is this is a wonderful bias of this podcast. That's specifically because I uh, was not a Lane Staley Alice in Chains fan. Like I can listen to the singles, but when I say that, I say it exactly as I did. I can listen to it. <laughs> I never seek it out. Uh-huh. Um, but this had a lot of people in it. Do I not know these any of their any of their songs? Um, I don't know if they ever. I don't think they ever had anything that really like broke through on radio or anything They're like that. They're not like a Temple of the Dog or anything. They were definitely not as big as Temple of the Dog. The one one song that you will recognize, but not because of theirs, um, is um, what was that? There was a band. Oh, the band was called Godsmack. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they actually, they ripped off a song by their, one of their big hits. It was Voodoo. Oh and my God, actually, I hate they, that song. You, yeah. And if you, you'll hate it even more if you listen to uh, Long Gone Day on Mad Seasons album because they completely ripped off um mad season and so the funny thing about godsmack is that godsmack is the name of an alice in chains song and then they so they ripped off an alice in chains song for their band name and then they ripped off um the bass line from from a uh, mad season song uh, with an Alice in Chains member in it. And that song, Long Gone Day, I mean, it's it's totally not a, a radio cut or anything that, you know, would make it into mainstream music, yeah. but it's a good song. Well, I don't um, want to blow your mind, and- Chris, but you know who loves that song? <laughs> who loves Voodoo by Godsmack? My douchey brother. I remember getting a phone call specifically about that song. Do you hear this Godsmack band? I could fucking lift to this all day long. (laughs) It's just the worst. (laughs) Says I need direction. I head for the door. 
Take a part as our glass and fill it up with candy. Don't mind suggestions. Don't give me any more. Don't get twisted. You don't like it, you don't buy it. Joking or my own lies. A boyfriend takes me back. Before we go, I know we only typically do one beer segment per episode, but I wanted to bring in Abita Ales out of uh, Abita Springs, Louisiana. I've known Abita for a long time. Uh, Their biggest beer when I was growing up in the early 20s of my age uh, was Purple Haze. Did you ever have that, Chris? I did. Yeah, that was a great beer. I don't remember much about it, but I remember digging it. Yeah. but this is a, they did a bourbon barrel age series that I kind of cracked open halfway through this episode. That's uh, old fashioned pale ale and it is an ale aged in bourbon barrels, which is always a, an interesting thing because it's not a stout or a porter aged in bourbon barrels. It's an ale, uh, but it's aged with orange peel, cherries and bitters. And it's actually super tasty. It's got a, it's got a really nice kind of almost fruity, but not fruity in like a soft parade or like a line and Kugel sort of way, but fruity in a, in a good way after finish, but still get all the, all the pale ale kind of hops and bite off the top of it with a weird bourbon barrel aged miss. I just wanted to mention it cause it's delicious. Uh, if, if you have a beta where you're buying your beer, go buy it. Cause it is super delicious and i you know i gotta stop telling people to buy shit you know why because they don't give me any money for it so why, <laughs> why am i doing this <laughs> but yeah it, it is it is good so go try it out it's uh it's not too expensive i know i go through the 22 ounce bottles and i'm like oh this one's uh one for 43 dollars. i don't think i want that um this is not one of those beers so if you do find some bourbon barrel aged uh, Abita ales check them out because so far so good and i've been sipping this the entire time chris has been talking because i drank that stout quicker than i planned uh <laughs> so go check that out we'll take one more break and then we will close out the episode as per usual politically correct and mentally erect i'm doing everything i can to conserve the best All right, we are going to wrap it up. Uh, I want to say thank you to Chris Hag, who's who's here on the on the phone on a hotel roof, surrounded by filthy, dirty laundry. <laughs> That's not confirmed. <laughs> laundry, laundry. We'll just say laundry. It could be clean. Yeah, it's hotel, so they should be white towels, right? Do they all look white? Are there any obvious stains you can notice? Well, it's dark now, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> Just going to assume it's not get the black light out. Yeah, it's good to assume. Oh, no, definitely don't do that. <laughs> I don't care what kind of app you downloaded. Don't do that. Uh, but Chris, like he mentioned earlier, is on a quite quite a remarkable trip from Alaska to Argentina, tip to tip, and which is also how some people have sex. And uh, it's it's pretty crazy. And there, what are those bells I hear in the background? <laughs> Oh, come on, man. It's it's Mexico. This is like the church land. It's, the, it's like the Catholic stronghold down here. What are they telling you? What time is it in Mexico that the bells are ringing? Seven? Seven oh, o'clock? Oh, 
the bell tolls yeah. at seven o'clock. Um, <laughs> but Chris, you have, Chris has been blogging, uh, about his entire trip, which has been eight months. So or how, what is the exact amount you had it earlier? Eight months and six days. That's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. and it may end up being 24, 30 or 48 months. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> You never know. The further you get south, the more you're going to be like, what are we even, why are we even continuing? Well, well, the further south we get, the cheaper everything gets. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, this whole thing to some degree is about avoiding responsibility and getting a job. So, well, yeah, and stay so, on yeah, the same coast. You never coast know. It might be, might be 48 months. I feel like as long as you stay on the same coast, all you have to deal with is earthquakes and not uh, government overthrows like Venezuela. So you're going to be fine. <laughs> um,. <laughs> You have you, but you have a website where you're keeping up with everybody. What is that website? That's right. It is um, www.theplacesip.com. Um, that's P E E. That's P E E. That's just what you thought it was. The places IP. Um, and uh, and that's kind of because I guess at the start of it, we we realized that. Um, we were going to get to pee in some really cool places for the next couple of years. <laughs> or in some um, really weird places, I'm sure. And and in some weird places and in some awkward places. Um, and uh, and some of them we describe in great detail. Um, so you've got that to look forward to. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun blog if you guys want to follow it. Um, and he's, he's sometimes got pictures of some of the stuff they see. And I, I wish... Uh, I, I now I don't know I don't I gotta say I don't know how many pictures you have of Mexico and versus how many you've posted but I feel like I want the dirtier side Chris you need to do the places IP dot xxx dot com <laughs> let's let's oh, get into man. it um, um, you know what ask <laughs> once the uh, you know once once we stop recording ask me about the uh, um, ask me about the fire station shower. Oh boy! <laughs> or we can do it on record. If I you was want. gonna say the fire station shower sounds like the name of a porn by itself. So, <laughs> I don't know if you need to add anything to that. <laughs> that is for sure something that came free in your Adam and Eve male female gift that you ordered online. <laughs> the the firehouse shower. <laughs> do you want to hear about it yeah at this point i feel like i have to (laughs) all right so i i alluded uh in our our messages earlier um that uh i've been i've been having some trouble down here with uh bowel parasites yeah yeah which Um, is uh like the struggle of of some mexican living sometimes i think (laughs) yeah um and i just it, it's been going on for like two, three months now. Um, and it, it, I, I get it under control and then it comes back and, um, it's kind of funny cause I have to navigate the Mexican medical system, which if you don't speak Spanish, which I actually, I should say is kind of spectacular. Um, unbelievably affordable and like quick. Um, but still tough when you don't speak the language. But, um, so the other day about a week ago, I'd say, we were at a fire station because we'd actually heard that when you're traveling through Mexico, um, you can, 
if you go to a fire station, they'll just let you stay there. Um, so it's a free place to stay. You know, if you're in a city, like hotels are expensive and it's hard to find a place to camp. So they're kind of this cool little alternative, um, that that's out there that you can use. And so we went, it was the first time we tried it. We walked up, asked, asked the guys if, if we could crash there and they told us it was cool. And, um, yeah. And, um, locked our bikes up. They like, we were up in the room with the, uh, uh, with the pole, um, so, so to speak, slid. <laughs> right? Um, and uh, the firehouse and then... shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. It's better. You so, added you added pole, so I had to jump in there. So, um, it, I go to use a shower, and and you know it's like a it's like a public shower. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, there's like three, three shower heads in there. And I, I go in, I'm washing off all of a sudden I get, I get, you know, the, you get the rumbling in your stomach, right. When you're sick. Oh God. Um, and you're just like, Oh man, like I've got, I've got eight seconds. Right. And you just know it. Yeah. There's nothing, you know, there's going to be nothing that you can do that it's going to happen. And, um, and that's like the weird thing about like the bowel parasites thing. It's like one moment you feel totally fine. And then the next is just, it's just time. And, um, so I'm in the shower, um, and the, the toilet is like through a room that opens up into the bunk room where all, the firemen and women sleep and then you have to like run through there to the bathroom. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not getting to the bathroom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is the saddest realization you can come to in that situation is I'm not getting to the bathroom because then immediately you have to start evaluating your other options. (laughs) And so, for some reason, I think maybe I put my hands on my knees and I was kind of like looking at the floor while like, like trying to like hold my gut, which you should never do in a group shower, by the way. (laughs) 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 And, um, and so, and, and I guess I should clarify if I haven't already, I was the only person in there. Okay. Um, and, and I looked down and I realized that the screws that held the, uh, the little, you know, the grate yeah. over the drain were missing. Oh God. I already know where this is going. And so I pulled the drain cap off. Oh no. <laughs> and, and I, I just like to the drain. Say, okay. There it is. <laughs> I was going to say, if anybody wants to turn the podcast off at this point, but <laughs> nope, there it is. I mean, so, that's, that's the dream though, really. Like as a guy, right? You want to, <laughs> you want to, you want to piss well, in your laundry tub and you want to shit down the dream. <laughs> pretty much. Well, you know what though? That's, so that's the funny thing about like this lifestyle, right? Cause at some point I realized that I'm in this really funny world of like, 
I don't want to say online personalities, but kind of right. Like we've got some Instagram followers. We've got some sponsors because we've got, well, the, the know, fact of the matter 7, is you're doing, you're doing something unique that, that nobody, I mean, for the most part, when I say nobody, that obviously like could mean a few people, but, but that nobody's doing and, and people are curious about doing it because in some part of the human psyche, we're all, we're all, on the verge of getting the fuck out of here but you guys are actually doing it at least for a period of time uh to to an extreme that most people can't fucking handle so yeah you have you have that following because that's that's a big deal to a lot of people because you're doing something uh essentially for us you know because you're doing it you're doing it so we don't have to (laughs) taking it easy for all you sinners yeah thank you for that by the way you're welcome. Um, well, but no, so the thing with it though, is like, if you look at the Instagram and you look at the Facebook, like, and I think this is very true with anybody that's doing something similar to this is that you think that you, you'd look at it and you'd be like, Oh wow. Chris's life is riding a bike through sunny days, downhill on, you know, beautiful mountains going towards the sea with the wind at his back. Yeah, I don't think that at all. Con- I think about con- the struggle. Constant, <laughs> constantly in beautiful little towns and everything like that. And, and I, and I think that to a certain degree, when you, you tell people that, you know, this is what I, this is what I'm doing with my life right now. I'm riding a bike from Alaska to uh, Argentina. This, you know, somehow some people like imagine that that's maybe most of what your life is. And, um, and that's a lot of it, no doubt. But there's also these times where you realize that you're you're in these completely messed up situations um, that you know you don't speak the language, you don't really know the culture that you're in, the town that you're in. You don't know you don't know anything. All you know is that you have to you really have to shit right now. Um, <laughs> And, and you just have to figure out a way to facilitate that or else there's going to be a big problem. Um, and, uh, and that in a nutshell is, uh, is kind of what world travel is about. And that's something that you didn't really figure out from watching the beach, um, (laughs) to go back to that. Like that, Full circle, the beach kind of gave you, yeah, it kind of gave you that like picture perfect view of travel. And then, um, you know, and then you get into it and you're like, oh, wow, parasites. Well, yeah, I mean, let that, let that be tricky. a lesson to everybody. If you, uh, I mean, and I'm guilty of this, like to an obsessive degree where everything in my life, if it's not like a movie, I'm like, something's wrong here. Uh, right. And that's nothing nothing literally nothing is like a fucking movie (laughs) if you're if you happen to get one or two movie moments out of your life that is a quality fucking life you just uh, you just have been basing Mm -hmm. it off the wrong thing but i want to i want to thank chris hag uh who's riding his bike with his wife from alaska to argentina theplacesip.com chris where can they follow you on instagram uh the places i pee with a period between each word oh you better start your fucking learning folks because that's the period places period i period p period wait is there a period after p 
Nope. Okay, then don't add that last one. <laughs> that is important. <laughs> and then make sure you put an at sign before that. Are you on anything else? Uh, Twitter, Instagram? Or, well, you're on Instagram. We just, just went over that. Just, just Facebook. Facebook, Fa- Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, and the website. Yeah, and the placesip.com. Check it out. He is doing quite an adventure. Uh, I might bring you on. I'll tell you what. I'm going to make this public right now. I might just phone you in occasionally since you're going to be on the road anyway for the next year and a half <laughs> yeah and uh and bring him in to to weigh in on a couple things because he's got a good knowledge of beer and he was i don't know want to surprise you guys but he was there during the 90s it's true even with his moby <laughs> obsession he was there <laughs> but thank you so much for uh for talking to me today chris and and thank you guys for listening episode 67 chris you want to say bye to everybody uh i want to say thanks to you how dare uh, you for having me on it, always <laughs> always a pleasure glad we got to catch up Absolutely. And, and yeah thank thank you to everybody for listening yeah guys we will talk to you next week thank you so much follow them links follow me in beers and 90s uh well the podcast whatever the fuck it's called uh at beers and 90s at instagram twitter and facebook you can email me beers and 90s at gmail.com it's episode 67 we'll see you next week and a goodbye Think I know fuck nothing? I know fuck all.